so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. Look at that. You get slides this week and can I tell you a little secret as to why you get slides this week? Sometimes I get kind of, God, what are you saying? And I just open PowerPoint and start putting scriptures down. So I just thought I'd share my scriptures that I've, as I processed it this week. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I will lack nothing. Nothing will I lack. That's what it says in that first bit. But you know, we all follow a shepherd. And it was it's lovely to hear Jill's story. We actually heard that last week for the first time. It was amazing. That her husband was this child shepherd, this boy shepherd, just like David. I think that's incredible. You know, it's just looking after the sheep. But we all follow a shepherd. And you know, sheep are one of the most dumbest animals God created. They really are. They don't like lying down. It said, that's why it says, he makes me lie down. And for me, for many years, I wouldn't lie down. I'd just keep go, 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 do, do, do. And one day, God kind of knocked me over and I couldn't get up for a little while. I had to wait on him. I had to hear what he had. So the Lord is my shepherd. And last week we talked about part one of rest. And for those of you who weren't here, there's some notes, but it's also just to catch you up. We only, we only got into the first point and we'll get to the rest today. Hopefully, maybe. But... The first point was around, one of our issues is this. And he says, because it's not working for me, but there we go. There we go. We talked about a misplaced identity. We sang about Romans 18 this morning. You know, I am a child of God. We are children of the living God. And if we grasp that identity in Christ, it says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can do all things. And it says right down the bottom there, the solution to a misplaced identity was us remembering. Ah, remember our value to God. Who God says we are. Who does God say we are? Anybody remember? A child. We're his, we're his kids. And he loves us not for what we do. He actually loves us for who we are. Because we are his creation. God created each one of us. He destined the time we'd walk on this planet. And when God created us and he says... Wow, look at that. He doesn't say, wow, look at that. I made a mistake there. Hey, Jesus, can you go down and fix that mistake? He looks down and goes, that's my girl. That's my boy. I created that. And Jesus came. And, you know, it's Palm Sunday. And Jesus was ro rolling into town on that Sunday, Palm Sunday. Everyone's cheering. And Jesus is at total rest knowing that what lay before him. Think about that. He was at rest because he knew what his dad had done. He knew that he was his beloved son and he sent him. And then we have the Holy Spirit living in us. So the key for that is not what we can do for God, but the fact that God loves us and we can rest in our identity. Because if we rest in all the things we do or all the performance we make, if we can't perform anymore or we can't do anything anymore, we have no value. And that's what I used to believe. I used to believe all that about myself, that I had no value unless I was doing something. Serving. Even as a pastor, I was serving and performing. Because if I performed well... God will love me. So if I preach a good word and everyone's going, amen, and that's cool, I go home, oh, that's pretty cool. But if I didn't get that, I went home deflated. I've got to tell you, it's okay. I'll just preach now and God says who I am. So that was the first one that we talked about. And we talked about that scripture, you know, that we're no longer living like slaves under the law. So this morning, I want to give you four more things. You see, the Bible's full of stuff as to why we can't rest. The Bible is riddled with stuff about people who did not rest. And we're just going to pull four more out of that. And the, the next one we're going to look at is this. Materialism. 
always wanting more things. You know, like when I was back in the UK and we had an arrangement, Pam and I, in our early marriage. I used to go out and learn lots of, earn lots of money and Pam used to spend it. And that was how it worked in our, in our family. So I had to earn a lot of money so Pam could be kept in the life she was accustomed to. All the things. And we, we had lots of things and we were in this big house and this, you know, it was an amazing time. We were living in this and going, this is life. But it wasn't life at all. Because every time we had to get something, we wanted something else. And the more we got, the more we wanted. So the more money you have to earn. And you get on this treadmill of all of this stuff. Because when we have more things, we need more money to buy those more things. And the more money, the work harder. And where does rest go? We end up working seven days a week. And there's some songs even in the secular world that say, you know, working to pay the man. Working to do that. But Proverbs actually warns us about this. Here you go. Proverbs, do not wear yourself out. Do not wear yourself out trying to get rich. Have wisdom to show a bit of restraint. As a young man, I didn't have a lot of restraint. I was just like this young buck trying to earn all this stuff and get promoted in the cops and get up to a really high rank and, hey, look at me, I'm the youngest chief inspector in London. Who cares? Yeah? Because your money can be gone in a flash as if it has grown wings like an eagle disappeared. You know the American dollar? actually has a picture of an eagle. I love eagles. But it can be gone like an eagle. So every time you spend a dollar, it was gone. Don't do that. You know, you can lose money in a flash. You can actually lose your money like that. Stock markets, whatever it is, Bitcoin, whatever you do, money can be gone. Everything can be gone. And if that's where you base your value and, and you're resting in that, then when it's all gone, what are you going to do? And that happened to us. I was relying on, even in this nation, relying on my own strength. And I was actually, you know, had a charity, set up a charity, got tax deductible status. And I'm earning money over here and I'm earning as a consultant and I'm giving all this money. And then you've heard, our son got very unwell. And for a year, I could do nothing. Pam and I were at home caring for our son, looking after his well-being because he couldn't do much for himself. And at the end of that year, I have $400 left in the bank account and a mortgage payment the following week. And at that point, it's like God says, hey, <laughs> it's all going, it's flying away, what are you going to do? So it's just an observation. Um, a lot of people I've been around, we spend the first half, many people spend the first half of their life earning, earning money and sacrificing their health. And then they spend the second half of their life actually using the money that they've saved to get their health back. We don't want to be like that, hey. We actually don't want to be like that. I don't think that's particularly wise. Jesus put it this way in Luke 12, 15. Jesus said, watch out, always be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Because your life is not defined by how much you have or how many things you own. doesn't define on how many things we own. I've skipped one. There you go. Thank you for my wife. There you go. Look at that. Skip two. There you go. Technology. I must get away from it. So we, it's not about what we have. And you've got a, a quick glimpse onto that one. Envy. Wanting to be like others. Even after getting saved, I remember we were in youth with a mission. And, and I got this guy, Tom Hallis, who was the Asia Pacific Director of Youth with a Mission. And he just got up there and he's sharing his heart. And I'm going, I wish I could preach like him. I wish I could be like Tom. And then I'd look at TV preachers and go, I wish I could be like them. Guess what? I, I, why would I be like them? Because God created Keith the way he created him. I don't preach like other people. I preach like Keith because there's only one of me. 
few of you saying, thank goodness for that. Well, you know, that's the truth. But we can keep up with the Joneses all the time. You know, like looking at, oh, the, those kids down the road, well, they're getting dance lessons, so my kids are going to have dance lessons. Or my friends on social media all the time, so I'm going to post more than they do. And if it all depends on how many of those you get, that's a bit of a worry, isn't it? How many likes we get. There's not many of the dislikes or, you know, stop getting off social media. I want to be like them. But even as a Christian, I say I was growing up, I wanted to be like them. But we don't know what them are like. We don't know what stress that those people are doing and living under to maintain those, those sort of appearances. So really, envying people and what they have disappears. We need to follow the correct shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Which shepherd are we following? Here's another one. I've learned this. I've learned why people work so hard to succeed. It's because they envy what their neighbors have. Yeah, that's not me. That's straight out of the word of God, straight out of Ecclesiastes. They're envying what people have. The fourth thing is that is around valuing. You know, valuing of my achievements over my relationships. I mentioned it before, getting promoted to one of the highest ranks really quickly. Valuing that. But my wife was at home with my kids. And I would spend inordinate hours, 16 hours a day working just to maintain what I had achieved in workplace. Getting master's degrees, getting this thing, comes to nothing. It really doesn't matter. When we sacrifice our relationships, sacrifice our marriages, sacrifice our parenting. And I stand there, I did that stuff. And it took me a long time to recover from that. Being a hero, you've heard me say, being a hero in the workplace. Isn't he great? Isn't that Keith Todd? He's really cool. He's always at work. But I was a zero at home. No contribution whatsoever. And we can put our careers, you know, often men in the room, we can actually be really guilty of this, more than, more than our female counterparts. But Ecclesiastes says this, remember, and Solomon was one of the wisest men who ever lived. Thousands of years ago, he says this, once again, I saw that nothing on earth made sense. For example, some people don't have friends or family, but they're never satisfied with what they own. They never stop working to get more. They should ask themselves, and there's a, there's a thought, hey, if, that, if that's resonating, you should ask yourself. Sometimes I had to ask myself these questions. Why am I always working to have more? Who will I leave it behind to? What a senseless and miserable life. It's better to have a friend. You are better having a friend than to be all alone. Because you will get more enjoyment out of what you earn. It's better to share your resources that you do have than working your you know, backside off to actually get all those things. We don't take them. There's no relationship in that. You don't have any relationships. What's that all about? But I was like that. You see, God didn't put us here to tick off a to-do list. He didn't put us on this planet to work all these things out and, and tick them all off. So when we get to heaven, say, look, God, I've done all these things. He put us on this planet to love. The word of God tells us, love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And love your neighbor. So when we actually arrive, you know, and we're up there, we love God, we turn up. Imagine getting to heaven and you go, God, I've got my list. He goes, hey, how's your relationship with your wife? Did you love me? Do you know about my son, Jesus? How did you love Jesus? What are you doing? What are you doing in your life? 
How did you go with loving your neighbor? You know, when, when their husband was sick in hospital for a year, did you, did you actually give them a meal? Did you hang out with them? Did you even ask how they were? When we value our achievements over relationships, it becomes a problem. And the last one, before we get to the solutions, is this insecurity. I used to wear a nice fancy uniform. And in fact, on Easter Sunday, I'm going to present some evidence. And I'm going to get, I don't know, I can bring my uniform. Because I like to present evidence. Because I learned how to do that. We know what that's like to stand in court. And, you know, I swear by the almighty God, the evidence I give will be the truth. So we might just do that. But insecurity, when I'm afraid I don't have enough or won't have enough. You know, how much is enough? Pam and I, a number of years ago, were in um, Singapore. And we got the privilege of praying on the top of this building, which was 50 stories high. And I thought we were standing in a hotel, praying over Singapore. We were actually standing in one man's apartment. And he, his personal wealth at that time was $50 million. But Georgie's story was incredible. And we heard Georgie's story. And Georgie had been a bank manager, and he had $15 million of personal liability when the GFC came. And the other two bank managers did a runner, and he was left with it. And he couldn't pay those bills, and he went to his knees. And he said, God, I thought it was all about getting more millions to have enough. And God said to him, if you do it my way, I'll take care of you. And now Georgie goes around the world sharing about God's love. He shares about that insecurity he had, that he was a man who had to have more and more and more. And he, God has replaced that, but he uses it for his purposes. He learned a big lesson through that. Not having enough. How much is enough? The Bible says this in Ecclesiastes. And I love it in this message version. It says, we work to feed our appetites. Meanwhile, our souls go hungry. Our souls go hungry. How's your soul today? Is it good? Or is it hungry? So afraid I'm not going to have enough physically, mentally. You know? And I went through that. I literally would be so worried that I wouldn't have enough physically to give Pam all those things she needs. That wasn't true all the time. She got saved and she actually stopped asking me for money. It's amazing. She kept giving it away. Taught me a lot. Still does. <laughs> Still does. But it was like, I was working because I had to get this money. And then I was worried that my physical health was going to go down. And you know what I neglected? My soul. My spirit. And that's what connects our, our spirit. Last night, I had, can I confess? Can I confess something last night? I went home a little bit tipsy from yes last night. But I didn't wake up from a headache. Because I spent time as we worshipped last night. And it was beautiful. Just in the presence of God. I refreshed my soul last night. So, what are we doing? Let's look at this verse. We touched on this one last week. It's in the Living Bible. It's senseless to work so hard, early morning to late at night, fearing and worrying I won't have enough. For God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. I went home last night and slept like a log. That's good news for me, eh? But... God wants you to have your proper rest. He doesn't want you to struggle about these things. He doesn't have to worry about our souls. You know? So how do we deal with these issues? Because these are real issues that came out of the Bible. How do we deal with them? I'm glad you asked. Ignore them. We ignore them? <laughs> glad you asked how we deal with them. So last week we had that one, didn't we? we? We looked at that first one. Remember my value to God. That's number one. When, when my identity is misplaced, I need to remember my value to God. So how do we deal with materialism? The more things. The antidote is, let's enjoy what we've already got. Let's enjoy it. 
Let's be content in that. Do you know we're not actually wired as human beings to be contented? It's kind of in our fallen nature. We get discontented. We always want to do stuff. We want to be restless. We're not resting sheep. We're often restless sheep. And we want more. And we want something different. And when the new comes, we want something else. The latest eye, the iPhone, the latest this, the latest that. But Philippians 4, Paul puts it this way. This scripture was given to us by a lady before we left the UK. Never met her. Still haven't met her. She had a vision of Australia with thousands of sheep on her prairie. The sheep again. One man on a horse. That was Jesus. She said, that's the, that's the church in Australia. No denominational breakdown. I'm moving. She wasn't called there, but she went to a house and found our newsletter. And in that newsletter, she, she sponsored us, supported us. We don't know who she was. But she gave us this scripture, more importantly. She actually gave us Philippians 4, 4 to 20. There's a lot of meat in there. But this bit here, right here. I know what it means to be in lack. I know what it means to ex experience overwhelming abundance. For I am trained in the secrets of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or hunger. And I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every single difficulty. When I ended up on my paddock crying to God, saying, I've only got $400, don't you understand God? Do you know what he said to me? He said, son... Move over and see what I can do. Get out the way. And when I got out the way, God actually, well, we're standing here. God returned all of that. He took care of things. He sent a businessman to pay our mortgage for five years. And that's how, hey, look, Keith, this guy came to us out of the blue. And he said, I was praying and the Lord told me to come to you and offer you your charity to pay this thing. So God knows our needs. Our good shepherd that we follow knows exactly what we need. Whether we've got a little or a lot. It was a really helpful thing. You know, we were down, down at the coast uh, oh, about a year ago, maybe. No, it was during COVID. Bumped into a couple, and they were buying a holiday home. A holiday home worth $1 million. That was a holiday home. And we started talking to these people, they're going, oh, yeah, well, you know, we've just got to work for another 15 years, and we, we'll put this money in. I said, how, how often will you be down? Oh, well, hopefully we'll get down once a quarter for a weekend. Eh? Really? Working. But no, be happy with what you, we get. Need to learn this. I, I need to learn this. I'm not telling you. I need to learn this more and more each day. Paul loved it. Let's have another look at this one. Ecclesiastes in the contemporary English version. A little food eaten in peace is better than having twice as much earned from overwork and chasing the wind. Anyone ever tried to chase the wind? Pretty nigh impossible. You never catch it. It's just whoosh, gone. But you know, when Pam and I were over in the Philippines on our first missions trip, and we, we were kind of went from a four-bedroom house in the UK, we came to three rooms in a Catholic monastery here in Canberra, and then we went down to uh, men this way and boys this way and girls that way, and I said, excuse me, I'm married. And said, what are you doing? No, no, boys and men that way in a dormitory and the women that way. And I'm going, but I'm married. No. And then we went to another place and we spent six weeks in one room and there was bunk beds and a double bed and we had five, there was five of us and the top bunk didn't work. And during that time we were there, we had this, this one day when our youngest got, um, what were they called, ticks. Our oldest electrocuted herself 
when she put her hand around the back of a fan, everyone got nits and there were white ants in the bin in the room. And we said, we've had enough. And God reminds us of that scripture, whether you've got a little or a lot, don't worry about it. Don't chase the wind, just enjoy. Enjoy life. You know, I've never heard anybody with their dying breath, and I've been at a few deathbeds going, I wish I'd spent more time in the office. You know, I wish I'd, can, can, you, can you just bring me my, my latest car? Can you bring me my latest stamp collection or coin collection to the bed, please, because I'm, I'm about to, to die. I want to see those things. They never do that. They say, where's the relationships? Bring my family. You know, has anybody ever seen a hearse pulling a trailer? Andrew's not here this week. I should ask him. Has he ever pulled a trailer? But has anyone ever seen a hearse pulling a trailer? They don't, do they? They're not there going, oh, man, I wish I'd take all my stuff. Because we can't take the stuff with us. We can't take that stuff. Yeah. Who's married in the room? There's a few married people. Married men. Sorry, I should have been clear. Here's one for the married men. We've, you know, it's a good one to remember for Valentine's Day next year. Enjoy life with your wife. Eh? Whom you love. Took me 20 odd years to start to get a grip of that. I've been married 43 years now. I'm working on it. But you know, just again, it's this thing, enjoying life. We weren't putting this planet to worry. I love how Paul puts it in Matthew. Matthew 6.31. Again, the message says, Jesus says, What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. Not to be so preoccupied with getting, but actually receive from me, from the giving. You know, it's God's gift. All of us, just receive it. Just receive it. That's the bottom line, just receive it. Rest is a spiritual issue. If we don't rest our spirits, then we're not connecting with God. And if we get that connection out the way, we can't love God, we can't love people. We need to actually get those out the way. That was that one there. It's God's giving. How do we deal with envy? Wanting to be like others. That's how we deal with it. Limit my work to six days a week. Six days a week. Somebody actually gave me advice. So when you, when you go to a new church, this was a long time ago before we went into our very first ministry in a church, and they said, when you get there, ask the leadership how many hours they expect you to work a week. I can't ask them that. They'll think I'm a slacker when I say I want a day off. And I had to learn that actually the Bible is quite clear. Six days a week. Six days a week we work. You know? Otherwise it breaks God's big ten. It's number four. It's number four. It comes before murder and adultery. Yeah? God did it. If you ever get a bow and arrow, you have the bow and you stretch out a bow... If you keep stretching it without, you, without loosening that bow off and letting the wire loosen for a while, it actually loses its power. So if you don't take that one day, and uh, I said last week, you know, we take Fridays and we, we nurture our souls. We go and deal with stuff like that. It's the fourth commandment. God was serious about it. You know, you work the first six days. First six days, six days of each week you shall work and on the seventh you shall stop working. For your ox and your donkey, so even your pets get a day off. You may settle down and rest. And the son of your female servants, as well as your strangers, may be refreshed. Foreigners in the land, it says. Everybody needs a day's rest. Everybody should be protected from overwork. Another one in Exodus. There you go. Fourth commandment. 
You have six days to which to do your work, and on the seventh is a day of complete rest. That's in your notes. I want to put a big circle around that. A day of rest. Sabbath day. I said last week about having a Sabbath day. Sabbath. If, we call it, if I call Friday my day off, I can always change that. Sabbath means we commit to it. We put it in the diary and say, that's my Sabbath day off. We need to take that day. It's a day of rest. And Jesus said that the Sabbath day was for the benefit of God. No, he didn't. He didn't. He actually said that the Sabbath day was made for man. It's for your benefit. It's absolutely for your benefit. So if we ignore God's law and we say, oh, I'm not going to take a day off. I'm, oh, I, I can plow through with seven days. Who's going to get hurt? Not God. We are. We're going to fall over in a heap because God says, take that day off. Take your Sabbath. I want you to have that day of rest and worship. It's for, for your benefit. Mark 2.27 says this, Then he said to them, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The thing is, if we don't take that one day off, if we actually don't have a Sabbath, we're actually working for the opposition. We're working for the enemy. I said last week, the the devil is an identity thief. He's also, he likes to keep you time poor, and he likes to keep you working, because that work will actually wear you out. So I encourage you to call it a Sabbath day. So what do I do on a Sabbath day? What do I do? Well, there's three things. There's three things I'll, you might want to think about these things. The first thing I do on a Sabbath day is rest my body. Yeah? I take time off to chill out and actually relax my body. Now, how I relax my body might be different to how you relax it and how we go about things. But if you don't do that, you don't actually, you wear out. During the French Revolution, a bit of history for you, During the French Revolution, the French government abandoned the day off. They abandoned, they made people work seven days a week. And after the revolution, the economy collapsed so badly, they reinstated the day. So I think that God has something to do with this day. So I recharge my body. I rest my body. I rest and recharge my emotions. And how I recharge my emotions is, again, different to everybody else. Some people like to go away in silence. When I get to go down and walk on the beach, or if I go and walk in my property and walk on the bush, I talk to God. I'm hanging out. I'm recharging my emotions. And the last one of those is resting, is actually refocusing my spirit. That's what we're doing when we worship. That's what we did last night in Trader. We refocused our spirit on God. That's what we're doing this morning. And I love the way Dan actually comes and he says, we're now going to move into this time of worship and that time of worship, because that's the truth. Everything we do is an act of worship to God. It's not just singing a song or hearing a preach. It's important to schedule that. For any of you business owners and self-employed people, it's really hard. It's really hard to actually take those days off, but I encourage you to put that Sabbath in there. When I was uh, quite stressed a number of years ago, our, our youngest Jess was about this big. She was only about seven or eight. And she came home from school and she said, what's going on, Dad? And I said, I've got all these plates I'm spinning. She said, just throw them in the bin. It was, it was truth. It was wisdom. And yeah, there's a, a businessman who, used, who I know, and he, good friend, and he used to take his briefcase home every night. And he'd be bringing this briefcase home, and his kid said, what's in the briefcase, Dad? And he said, oh, that's just the work I didn't get finished today. And his, his little daughter looked at him and said, maybe you should ask them to put you in a slower group. <laughs> and I'm like, hello. 
Maybe we actually need to be in a slower group and, and just take them. But Proverbs, Proverbs 14.30, I love this scripture. It says, a relaxed attitude lengthens your life. Woo, that's the wrong one. Try that one. A relaxed attitude lengthens your life. It lengthens your life. We need a relaxed attitude. It lengthens our life because the other bit, envy, rots it away. Rots the bones. Number four, valuing achievement over our relationships. How do we deal with that? Adjust our values. Our values are often not God's values. God looks at us and goes, you're a child of God. I love you. I love you for sitting in that chair. I love you for sitting in that chair. You could sit in these chairs. We can't because the doors will get closed later. But actually, you could sit in these chairs for the rest of your life and God would love you the same. He can't love you any less. So we need to adjust our values to God's values. We need to do that. We need to get rid of some of that busyness. What is really important? You know, we buy things. Often we buy things. And we, we spend money we don't have to buy those things to impress people we don't even like. Have you ever done that? I know back in our younger days, that's what, oh, we've got to have the latest thing to look good. No. Mark 8.36 says this. For what does it benefit a man, here we go again, who gains the whole world with all of its pleasures and forfeits its, his soul? Again, how is your soul? How are your relationships? How is your relationship with God? How is your relationship with other people? I say, I, I rested on Friday, and guess what? The world didn't come to an end. You know, we're all here. We're all loving Jesus. The world didn't come to an end because Keith took a day off. We need to take that off. We need time to adjust. Last but not least is this one here. Stop being restless sheep to exchange our restlessness for God's peace. Let's exchange our restlessness for God's peace. You see, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in the green pastures. He makes me lie down in them. I'm going to give up my tendency to roam, my tendency to wander, and my tendency to veer off course. Because Pam will tell you, she's lived with me for 43 years. She knows that I have a tendency, if I don't connect with God, to veer off course. Isn't that right? I just, I'll go off on my own little tangents, and I'll go down these rabbit holes. It's like, nobody loves me. Nobody's run me up today. Stop it. Just, just actually change your restlessness. The great exchange. The great exchange. So I'm going to close. I've got a couple more verses, and then we're just going to close, and I'd like to pray. But Matthew 6. 26 to 30 says this. Jesus, Jesus is speaking. He says, Look at the birds of the air. They don't plant or harvest or store food in their barns, but your heavenly dad feeds them. And you know that you are more, worth more than the birds. We need to know. Do you know this morning? We need to know that we're more important than the birds that land on our doorstep and Pam feeds them every day. We're more important than the birds. You cannot add any time to your life by worrying about it. And why do you worry about anything else? Look at the beauty of the wildflowers. When I walked my paddocks, I actually had somebody from Lancaster come out once and they said, we have 30,000 national natives on our property. 30,000, I didn't know there was that many. But, you know, look at those wildflowers, look at the beauty of the field. Don't worry about or overwork, but God takes care of them. So you can be sure he will clothe you too. So my encouragement is if God cares for the birds, 
He's going to care for you way more than that. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any more or any less. See, the business we're talking about here gets to the root. This is what gets to the root of the issue, this, this scripture here. That actually, we can rest our bodies. We can take some physical rest. A lot of people say, oh, I just need a vacation. But actually, what we need is a relation. We need to renew our relationship with Christ. We don't just need a holiday. A holiday will take care of the physical stuff. But when it's emotional fatigue, and when it's spiritual fatigue, they don't get taken care of. You can have a break, and you come back, and your emotional and spiritual needs will still be there. When Pam and I were going through a tough time back in Youth with a Mission, and we'd gone through this thing, and I have to tell you, we'd come back from an outreach, and we are closer to divorce than we'd ever been in our lives. Never been like that ever since. And we went to the leaders and said, we're going back to the UK. And they said, why? They said, well, back there, we didn't have all these problems. And they said, mate, you going back there, your problems will follow you. You might be able to rest from them for a while, but your emotional and your spiritual issues need to be dealt with. And I thank God for that dear friend. He was here on our commissioning service. He has been in our lives for the last 20-odd years, and it was one of the wisest things I'd ever heard someone say. Deal with these things. You can take that. When your spirit dries up, when your spirit dries up and it's withered, it's very hard to come alive again. You need more than going to bed to cure those last two. When you need more than a vacation, you need to go deeper in the relationship with Christ. You know, I said to you at the beginning, the sheep aren't very smart. They don't naturally lie down. They're the ones that are probably one of the dumber animals. Sheep don't like to do it. They don't like to lay down. He makes me lie down. My good dad makes me lie down. And if you don't stop, he has a habit of knocking you over. So we need to start to change how we work. And I encourage you to plan a Sabbath. Put a Sabbath in. You know, God's way is the only way. It's not just the right way. It's not just a way. It's the way. And we have to enjoy that healthy way. So last one. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. So Jesus said, are you tired? Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out? Then come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Real rest. When we rest in God, we get a real rest. Last night when we were worshiping, I got a real rest. God just connected with my spirit. He showed me how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. One of the scriptures the Lord gave me many years ago, and I didn't understand it until we were deeper into ministry. It was in um, Revelation 4.1. He said, there before me was an open door in heaven. And the voice that I'd heard, which was Jesus, which I'd first heard when I got saved, said, come up here and I will show you what's going to take place. We need to get close to Jesus as a as a family, as a church, we need to be closer to Jesus so we can see what he wants to do in this valley. Learn, to, learn the unenforced rhythms of grace. How were we saved? We were saved by grace through faith. That's not a faith that goes, God, you've got to do these things. We were already saved. It is finished. We're going to celebrate that next Sunday. It is finished. It's, it's done. We need to learn that. Learn to... Get the unenforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy on you, says the Lord. Anything ill-fitting. Have you ever got something ill-fitting? I remember getting my first police uniform, 
and it was made to, to fit someone who was about 20 stone, and back then I was quite a slim guy. It's like, what? It's like, no. And it was ill-fitting, but God says, I won't lay anything that's ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. Hang out with me. Hang out with me. And learn to live freely and lightly. You come to Jesus, it isn't going to load another bunch of things on you. If you come to Jesus, he's not going to say, here you go, go to this meeting and that meeting and that meeting and be out every night of the week and every day. He just says, I love you. Learn my ways, my rhythms. Jesus only did what his dad told him to do and he only said what he heard his father say. I think that's a good model, eh? So let me summarize the things we've been talking about this morning. They're right there for you. Let's remember our value to God. Let's just remember it. Each day if you wake up in the morning and go, God, I, I thank you that I am valuable to you. Not for all the things I do, but for who I am. Enjoy what we've got. We're in a country that's free. You know? We live in an amazing part of the world. Believe me, I've got friends back in the UK right now. and they're, Some of them are battling. They're, they're just the economy and stuff. But we live in a beautiful place. So let's enjoy what we've got, whether it's a little or a lot. Six days a week. How many? Six. Six. Write that in there. I am going to have a Sabbath day. Adjust your values. Line up with God's values. What is it he's saying about you? Not what others are saying. And exchange your restlessness for God's peace, his rest. So, I think it's time to relax, eh? It's senseless for us to work from the morning to the night, fearing we won't have enough. But God wants us, our loved ones, to have proper rest. Psalm 127. I just like to pray if that's okay. Just take a time of prayer and... Whether we're online, I just, I just want to pray a general prayer because I just felt the Lord say that this morning. He said, and I believe it is from him. He said, I just want my kids to rest in this valley. There's a lot of dry bones out there. We, we talked about that last night and the dry bones of this valley. But God's going to raise them up. But if we're dry as well, what are we going to do? So the thing about relaxing and, and re- Taking these things on is sometimes we have to let things go. So I just pray this prayer if it's in agreement. If, you, if there's something here that is you, then just, yeah, just commit it in your, in your heart to the Lord. Lord, today I want to learn how to relax in your goodness, how to rest in the goodness of God. You're the good shepherd. You're the only shepherd I want to follow. I don't want to follow some of the shepherds of this world because they leave me in places I don't need to go. I want to lay down in green pastures with you, Dad. I want, to, I want you to lead me beside those still waters, those quiet waters for those times of refreshing. Help me remember my value today. Help me. Where I, I think that sometimes I'm not loved or I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just not what it takes. I don't fit the mold. I'm not what people say I am. Help me remember my value to you as a child of God. Limit my work, Lord. Help me stop. Help me take a Sabbath rest from all of the doing and recharge myself. Recharge my body, my emotions, and my spirit. Let my spirit connect with your Holy Spirit. Adjust my values in line with you, God. I want to exchange my restlessness today, Dad. I want to exchange my restlessness. I want to give you every area of my life this morning, Jesus. 
I'll lay down the things where I've struggled and strived and the false identities I've assumed. And I want to accept the truth of the song that says, I am a child of God. And Lord, I, I just ask that whatever has been of you this morning would stick and it would resonate and it would just help us move forward and closer to you, Jesus. If there's anything that I've said that, Lord, isn't of you, then just shake it off, drop it off, Lord. Let it disappear. Let it be as naught. But we give you the glory this morning, Lord. Give you the glory that you love your kids just as they are. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in his word, stay in his love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.